23 tonight, Psalm 23, I ask you to turn there, please. Of course, uh, the 23rd Psalm is very familiar to us, and uh, you probably could quote it from memory. We won't do that tonight, but uh, no doubt you could. I want to uh, take a moment, read through these short, uh, six short verses, um, give you a little bit of an introduction. We'll pray. Uh, what you see here tonight, we'll, we'll look at this through a couple of different lenses. Uh, David begins by speaking of the Lord or meditating upon the Lord, uh, his shepherd. Mike, his shepherd in the sense of his provider. Uh, and he's, he's meditating on that and, and no doubt finding comfort in the fact that the Lord is his shepherd. And uh, he's meditating on that. That seems to compel him to then talk to the Lord. Now, this becomes a prayer. So he's talking of the Lord and, and then to the Lord and uh, about the implications of the fact the Lord is his shepherd. You'll see here tonight, he says, I don't need to fear when difficulties come. And praise God for that. And uh, he concludes with this wonderful statement about his confidence in the Lord. So he's meditating on the fact that the Lord is his shepherd, his provider. Uh, we'll see here tonight that he finds um, comfort and confidence uh, in the Lord, his shepherd, who provides for him, uh, give you three Ps here, and who is present in his trials uh, and who protects him in his trials. That's the Lord who is our shepherd. That's good. Amen. Uh, that's good. Brother Ray, we find great comfort in these truths tonight. The Lord is our shepherd uh, who provides for us. We'll see that. The Lord is our shepherd who is present uh, in our trials. Gary, he said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. That we, we understand that. Praise God for that. Uh, and uh, as a, a provider who is present, uh, he's present not only to provide, but to protect us. We, we praise God for that tonight. Let's just stay seated, but let's read through these verses. Uh, David writes, uh, under inspiration, of course, Psalm 23, verse 1. Title Psalm of David, that's how we know it's David. Uh, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Verse 2, he says, he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness. Why? For his name's sake. David goes on, he says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. He's talking to the Lord. He says, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. He says to the Lord, verse 5, Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. David concludes here in verse 6, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. How long, church? All the days of my life. I will dwell in the house of the Lord. For how long? forever. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much uh, for this short, uh, wonderful psalm. Uh, Lord, thank you tonight for what it reveals uh, about you and your presence and activity in our lives. Lord, thank you tonight for David's response. Obviously, you've, you've given it and preserved it as a uh, our response, what our response should be as well. Lord, if you're our shepherd, our provider, our, our present protector, we have nothing to fear. Lord, I thank you tonight for these truths. I pray tonight, 
Lord, that uh, you would minister your words to our hearts and that um, we'd find a wonderful comfort and confidence in you, Lord, in you tonight. Father, I love you. I thank you. Thank you for the privilege to preach these words tonight and pray your help and pray all this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 23 tonight, Psalm 23. Look with me back here in verse 1. So David begins speaking of or about the Lord, the fact that he, he understands God as his shepherd uh, in the sense of his provider. Uh, he's meditating on these wonderful truths. He says again in verse 1, the Lord is my, what is it, church? Shepherd, my, my shepherd, uh, I shall not want. Well, there's a, there's a wonderful confidence uh, as he considers the implication of the fact the Lord is his shepherd. He says, hey, uh, Lord, you're my shepherd, you're, shepherd. <laughs> you're my provider. Uh, is he your shepherd in the sense of your provider also? Has he, has he promised to provide for you, his people who have sought Christ and his righteousness first? You, you give me a verse from Matthew 6, right? It's absolutely true. Uh, and so David concludes, he, you know, he's meditating on this, and he's thinking about the practical implications of this truth that God has revealed to him and what it means for him personally. He says, you know what? Uh, I shall not want. I'll, I'll, I'll never come to a point where I truly need something that I truly don't have. Now, if you're not careful, you might start feeling like you, you need something that you don't have. Now, Brother Ray, if, if, if that's true, we pray about it, right? But a lot of times we realize, well, maybe it was just something that I wanted but didn't truly need. Uh, David says, hey, the Lord is my shepherd. He's my provider. Uh, I shall not want. That's a true biblical conclusion based on the fact the Lord is our shepherd, and we draw wonderful confidence uh, from this. I did a little study, and I want to share it with you quickly tonight. Um, we can see uh, throughout Scripture uh, that the Lord is our, is our shepherd in um, a variety of senses, but uh, one way you can study this biblically is uh, how is he our shepherd in, in terms of what he has accomplished in the past? How is he our shepherd in terms of what he's accomplishing for us in the present? Uh, and then what does the Bible reveal, if anything, about how he will be a shepherd to us in the future uh, on into eternity? I don't know if you've looked at this before or not, but would you be surprised to, to know tonight that the Bible uh, reveals the Lord is our past, present, and future uh, shepherd. Uh, I'll give you just a few verses along the way here and encourage you to take some notes. Just a quick little study here that we'll, we'll kind of build into the passage. First of all, consider how the Bible reveals the Lord to be our, path, our shepherd in terms of what he's accomplished in the past. Of course, he came and gave himself on the cross. Uh, make, make a note under this idea of past. John 10 uh, and verse 11, John 10, verse 11, Jesus says, uh, I am the good shepherd. Uh, the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Uh, he's also called uh, the lamb uh, in scripture. He's the lamb who gave himself for the flock. We'll see that uh, here tonight. Uh, so uh, he's the good shepherd who has accomplished in the past the uh, protection of the flock by giving himself uh, Hebrews 13 and verse 20 says uh, he, he has a shepherding ministry as the one who rose again. 
just write that reference down, Hebrews 13, verse 20. Now, the God of peace, uh, the God of peace, Lord, thank you that uh, we can be at peace with you because of Christ. The God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep uh, through the blood uh, of the everlasting covenant. So uh, Jesus is revealed to be our, our shepherd uh, who has provided for us by giving himself uh, upon the cross at Calvary. Brother Art uh, revealing to us as well that Father was satisfied with that uh, sacrifice because he rose again supernaturally. Uh, so, so there's that sense. Of course, uh, past shepherd, but shepherd, he has a shepherding ministry to us in the present also. So you make a note about this. First uh, Peter 2 and verse 25. To get that reference down, I'll read it. First Peter 2 uh, and verse 25 says this, for ye were as sheep going astray. Is that who we were before we came to Christ? Church, is that who we were? We were. We, we were like sheep. We were as sheep going astray. Uh, sheep without a shepherd who were wandering uh, aimlessly, um, unprotected, unprovided for, uh, opening to all, open to all sorts of dangers and risks. That's who we are Forgive me. Where we were, Brother Mike, before we came to Christ, Peter writes under inspiration, ye were, ye were as sheep going astray, but now returned unto the shepherd and the bishop of our souls. Now, that, clearly, that verse clearly refers to the present ministry of Christ. That's New Testament verse in, in the life of uh, a church age believer. He's our shepherd. Uh, he's our provider. Uh, he's our protector. He's working actively presently in our lives. Uh, and he's called the bishop of our souls. And we understand the Bible uses that word bishop, brother Ray, mostly as one of the lenses through the ministry of serving as a pastor can be viewed, right? So there's pastor, pastors, uh, the shepherd, uh, the pastor is called a, a bishop in terms of one who has authority. What's the third word that's used uh, to describe the office of the, the pastor in the New Testament? He's called pastor, he's called bishop, he's called Elders is correct. So there's a call to uh, maturity, spiritual maturity, having some experience uh, in the Lord as well. Uh, so bishop has the idea of authority. Uh, any, any authority a pastor has is the authority because of or, or, or rests upon the authority that God vests in the office uh, because he has authority. Well, Jesus called the shepherd and bishop of our souls uh, he's provider, protector, uh, and, and, and actively present in our lives as one who has authority over us in our lives. By the way, aren't you glad for that tonight? Aren't you glad that the Lord exercises authority over us in our lives today? Brother, Art, there, there's a comfort in that, knowing that uh, we don't just make up our own rules. We don't have to figure things out and make up our own rules and figure out who we're accountable to and how we're supposed to live our lives. No, the Lord Jesus Christ is our bishop. He has authority over our souls, and, uh, and he spelled out in his word uh, that which we're accountable to as church-age believers. Uh, I'm, I'm thankful for that. I, I find great comfort in that tonight. We don't have to waste energy trying to figure those things out. Uh, this is the Lord Jesus Christ, his authority 
uh, as our shepherd uh, in our lives presently. So there's a sense in which he has a, a past ministry as, as shepherd uh, who accomplished uh, all that's been accomplished on the cross. Uh, he has a present shepherding ministry in our lives. Uh, and then there's future aspects to this as well. It's good that we consider these things just for a moment in, in the context of our uh, two messages now from um, Matthew 24. I'll get it. Um, he has, uh, he, he's referred to as uh, shepherd in the context of the rapture and the tribulation, Brother Ray Metchik, and in the millennium as well. So all across the Bible timeline, uh, at least from the cross uh, into eternity, uh, the, the Bible reveals Christ to have a shepherding ministry across the entire uh, timeline, at, at least from the cross forward. Uh, first, at the rapture, just make a note here, uh, 1 Peter 5.4, 1 Peter 5.4, uh, Peter writes, when the chief shepherd, the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Well, he's, he's not just a shepherd, Brother Gary, he's the chief shepherd. And again, that, that idea uh, identifies him as a uh, shepherd uh, at that point in time, but also one who will exercise great authority, the idea of shepherd and bishop also. Uh, so Bible review, re, speaks to Christ or identifies him as, as the chief shepherd at that point. He has a shepherding ministry uh, at the rapture. His ministry as shepherd continues into uh, the rev forgive me, into the tribulation period. I was trying to combine revelation and tribulation. Uh, turn to Revelation 7. Just, just jump forward. Uh, keep your place here in Psalm 23, but uh, let's, let's take a quick trip uh, to Revelation chapter 7 also. Uh, there, John records, Rich, his vision of the tribulation saints who evidently have died uh, and their spirits are at that point in heaven. Uh, John had a vision, uh, and he asks, who are these that I see in this vision? This is what he's asked in, in Revelation 7. Uh, and then in ver beginning in verse 14, he receives an answer to his question. I said unto him, sir, thou knowest. Uh, he said to me, these are they uh, which came out of great tribulation. Uh, so it seemed to be the case they were saved during the tribulation and have washed their robes. They've been washed in the blood, amen, uh, and made them white in the blood of the Lamb, uh, just like us. Verse 15, therefore are they before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. Remember, the temple on earth was just a, a picture or image of the heaven, heavenly temple or tabernacle. Uh, and he that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them. And verse 16 says this, they shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. They will know the perfect shepherding ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ in his presence uh, in heaven. Uh, the answer continues in verse 16. Neither shall the sunlight on them, nor any heat. Well, how's that? Verse 17. For the lamb, uh, for the lamb. He's not just called the shepherd. He's called the lamb. Uh, he is our shepherd, but he's also the lamb who gave his life for the flock. I've already said that tonight. For the lamb, which is in the midst of the throne, shall feed them, provide for them, uh, and shall lead them. Uh, a shepherd provides, he leads, he guides, he protects. 
He will guide them unto living fountains of water, uh, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. That's the ministry of Lord Jesus Christ to these who've come out of great tribulation. That's a great ministry indeed. He's the shepherd meeting all of their needs as they've died, tribulation saints, and come into his presence. They have no more needs, uh, no, more need, no more needs that are not met by him in his presence, uh, in his presence, including the wiping away of tears. They will have suffered greatly. Lord, wipe away their tears. Uh, we praise God for that. So uh, there's, the Bible reveals Christ to be our shepherd. Uh, he's a shepherding ministry at the cross. Uh, he has a shepherding ministry to us uh, presently. Uh, he's called uh, a shepherd at the rapture. Uh, here during the tribulation, he has a shepherding ministry uh, to those who are in heaven. By the way, Zach, during the tribulation, uh, where are we going to be? We're going to be in heaven also, right? Uh, and so we know that the Lord's shepherding ministry to uh, these tribulations, his ministry to us, no, no doubt, will be not dissimilar from that, perhaps exactly, uh, perhaps exactly the same. Uh, and then finally, the Bible reveals the Lord, Brother A, to continue uh, his shepherding ministry, provider, protector, present, present uh, <laughs> in our presence, uh, into and through the millennium. Make a note about that. Um, verse I'll, I'll give you is Isaiah 49, 10, and 11. Isaiah 49, 10, 11. Uh, Isaiah says, They shall not hunger nor thirst, looking ahead to the millennium. Neither shall the heat nor sun smite them, for he that hath mercy on them shall lead them. May I stop there for a moment to ask you, do you desire the Lord to lead you? Do you desire the Lord to lead you? Uh, Lord, Lord, help us to desire that if we're still struggling with that. Uh, I've said many times, and of course you know this, you can set your own course, you can blaze your own trail, uh, or you can say, Lord, you lead me. You, you be my spiritual GPS. Uh, give my, my course over to you and ask you to be my navigator. Lord, you lead me. Uh, Jesus is called, uh, he's identified as one who leads in the millennium. He shall lead them, even by the springs of waters shall he guide them, lead and guide. Verse 11, he shall feed his flock, provider, shepherd. He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. It's Isaiah 49, 11. He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs with his arm. What a wonderful image. And carry them in his bosom and shall gently lead those uh, that are with the young. What a wonderful, wonderful hope we have, a certain hope. We have a Savior, Marilyn, who is our shepherd, our guide, our leader, our protector, our provider, and presently working in our lives today. He'll continue that through the rapture, through the tribulation, through the millennium, uh, and no doubt, no doubt beyond. Uh, look back at verse 1, please. David's conclusion as he uh, ponders this fact that the Lord is his shepherd. Again, we've already seen it. He says, I shall not want. Just a wonderful confidence. And, and how much peace is there in that? If, uh, you, if No doubt you've, you've given yourself over to worry about needing things that you don't have. 
Of course, that's sinful to worry rather than to pray, uh, just to kind of exercise it in your head rather than exercising that to the Lord in prayer. Uh, we understand the sinfulness of that, but just being able to say, hey, if I have the Lord as my shepherd, uh, worry doesn't make sense because he's the perfect shepherd. He will provide, he will protect, he will be present, he will lead, he, he will guide. He's a perfect shepherd. I will not want, later on, uh, not too far down the road here, David's going to say that I don't, it doesn't make sense to fear. No matter how bad things look, it just doesn't make sense to fear. So I won't. I will, I will not fear. He says, I shall not want. Uh, he's, uh, he's considering, he's meditating on the implications. Uh, by the way, if David says he shall not want, he's trusting that the Lord's provision will be what? You got a word? Uh, it could be a simple word. Um, it'll be full. It'll be sufficient, right? It, it'll be enough. You can put that in your notes. Uh, he, he's a shepherd in the sense of being our provider, but, but not an imperfect provider, not one who gives a little and then leaves you wanting. Uh, no, he, he's a perfect provider who, who provides sufficiently. I shall not want. I'll give you a few cross-references here quickly. Psalm 34 and verse 10. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. That's truth. That's promise. Uh, in Psalm 84, verse 11, Psalm 84, 11, just write the references down. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them uh, that walk uprightly. Uh, and then in Matthew 6, I've already made allusion to this verse tonight. Matthew 6 in uh, verse 33, a promise to those that have sought Christ for salvation. But seek ye first the kingdom of God. Uh, Christ and his kingdom uh, and his righteousness imputed to our account when we receive him by grace through faith and all these things shall be added unto you and, and you remember the context of, of that passage don't worry about this don't worry about that practical needs will be met by the Lord met by the Lord uh, as a blessing to those that have placed their faith in Christ we understand Lord has various ways of meeting our needs Often it's through work. Uh, at times it's through the church in part. It can be through a variety of different ways. Uh, but he's promised to be our perfect provider, uh, our shepherd. Let's see verse 2 here. Verses 2 and 3. Uh, David's, uh, more, more of David uh, meditating on his confidence uh, in the sufficiency of God's provision. And I want you to see here uh, in the next couple of verses his confidence in the sufficiency, uh, the perfection of God's provision uh, for him seems to be rooted in his understanding that it's because he can be confident because the Lord is present and actively working, actively involved in providing, uh, meeting his needs. I'll stop there and ask you this question before we look at the verse. Uh, do you understand that God is actively involved in your life tonight? Do you, we, now, let's just grab a hold of that thought and get, get a hold of that again tonight. Uh, he's not a faraway God who just kind of looks down and, you know, says, oh, I'm sorry about that. I wish that wasn't happening or maybe I'll kind of fine tune. No, he's actively involved in the details of our life. 
uh, as a God who uh, indwells us. I understand he's, there's a sense in which he's present in the throne of heaven. There's a similar sense in which he's present where his, uh, his flock, his assembly has gathered. But then he's imminent in, in the most real sense uh, in his indwelling of, of you and I, individual believers, uh, and actively involved in our lives. Uh, look here in verse 2 and verse 3. I want you to see David stressing God's action. He says, he maketh, he leadeth, he restoreth, he leadeth. He's, he's, he's focused on God's action uh, in providing. Look, look at verse 2. He maketh me, he maketh me. Not so much God, not God just kind of hoping. God is actively making him. He maketh me to lie down uh, in green pastures. He leadeth me. He leadeth me. He leadeth me uh, beside the still waters. God actively working in his life uh, is where he finds the confidence uh, in God's provision. Uh, he maketh me to what? To lie down, uh, the idea of rest. Uh, Lord, thank you for the rest that you provide for us. Uh, where? Green pastures. Uh, that's a place of provision. Uh, and it stands in stark contrast to the Lord's uh, prophecy of, uh, of, of dealing with the enemies of people that we saw this morning in Isaiah 14, 15. We, we pointed to that contrast this morning. We're not his enemies. We were, but no longer in Christ. And so he maketh me, David says, to lie down in green pastures. Uh, he gives me rest at his place of provision. He does that. David says, he leadeth me. He's my shepherd. He leadeth me uh, beside the still waters, a place of provision, uh, and not a stormy place, a, a peaceful place where you can lie down and rest. Uh, by the way, could you use more peace in your heart tonight? Could you use more peace in your heart tonight? Lord, help us to take the things that we're anxious about, that we're upset about, things we worry about, uh, and to make them prayers and to thank you that we can. You've promised peace. Uh, how does he do that? He actively is, works in our lives to give us that peace in our heart. David understood that. Uh, verse 3, he restoreth my soul. He restoreth. He doesn't... Uh, he doesn't subcontract that out or just hope that happens. He restoreth. The word restoreth here, uh, it has the idea of refreshing or refresheth. Uh, sometimes you just feel like I need the Lord to refresh uh, my soul. Probably we feel like that a lot. Lord, thank you for being actively involved in my life. Thank you for providing for me. Lord, I, I just need you to refresh my soul tonight. Uh, God, would you do that for me? Make that a prayer if, if you need that tonight. He restoreth or refresheth my soul. Uh, he, he leadeth me. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness. Uh, in Psalm 5 and verse 8, David prayed, Lead me, uh, O Lord, in thy righteousness. Earlier on, he had prayed that God would lead him. Do you pray that? Do you ever pray that? Do you pray that? Lord, lead me. I'm yielded to you, or Lord, I want to yield to you. Help me to yield to you 
and then lead me. God, as I give myself over to you, Lord, please lead me. David had prayed that. He understood that it was God's desire as his shepherd to lead him, uh, and he understands God, God will actively lead those who yield to him uh, and desire to be led of him. Praise God for that. Uh, sometimes people say, I just don't know what God wants of me. Well, uh, Lord, help us yield to you. Help us yield to you uh, and to know your leading as we yield. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me uh, in the paths of righteousness. Well, that's, that would be obedience to his words. Uh, look here at the end of verse 3. I don't, I don't know if we uh, focus enough on this final phrase in verse 3. He leadeth me in the path of righteousness. Would you read the next four words with me, please? For his name's sake. Uh, David recognizes that God is actively at work in his life. We recognize, we're reminded tonight, God is actively present and at work in our lives, uh, providing, protecting, and so forth. And he do, he's doing that for us. He knows that we need that. Uh, he understands that. Uh, he loves us. And uh, biblical love, godly love, is, is love that takes action. Uh, and so God is a God of action. He demonstrates love practically through actions like this. Uh, ultimately, that's, I mean, that's good for us. He, he, he loves us. But what is his ultimate goal, Brother Ray, is that uh, all of this accrue to his honor and his glory. Does that make God a prideful God? No, it doesn't, because he alone is worthy of that pride. Uh, not, he alone is worthy of praise, honor, and glory. Uh, and there's nothing prideful about that at all. Uh, he, he deserves that. Uh, he's worthy of that. As he's actively working in our lives, He's demonstrating love to us through his shepherding ministry of providing and protecting uh, through his present action, but ultimately that is for his name's sake. Uh, praise, honor, and glory uh, accrues uh, to him. Take down a couple of cross-references, please, uh, and please do that if you can. Psalm 79 and verse 9, the psalmist prays, it's Psalm 79, 9, help us. Help us, O God of our salvation, for the glory of thy name. The psalmist prays, God, we need help. We need you to act in our life, but ultimately we want that to be in our situation uh, and you acting in our life, you saving us to be something that brings you praise, honor, and glory. I want to encourage us tonight when we're praying for God's help, when we're praying for his provision, when we're praying for his protection, uh, against anything we need protection, you know, des desire that because you, you need that. Pray for that because you need that. But don't forget to pray that so that uh, God can be honored and glorified uh, through the answer to that prayer. Brother Ray, you pray for God's provision uh, and he provides. That's a help to you. That's a help to us. But that brings him praise, honor, and glory. We pray tonight for his protection. I'll pray that God will protect you from the snow. Uh, others have very tangible spiritual battles. We pray God bind the enemy. Well, we pray that because we know people need that. Uh, and and we, we praise God 
uh, for answering that prayer, for accomplishing uh, the provision of that need. Uh, but let your motivation be bigger than that. Let your motivation be that God would be glorified in answering that prayer. Brother, I understand God will be glorified in that no matter what. But when we share our praises with each other uh, and with the lost, that's an opportunity to praise the Lord, right? To, uh, to give him praise, honor, and glory. I warned you a few months ago, I'm going to ask you to share some uh, some praises tonight, gentlemen, I'll ask you that. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's good to share that as an encouragement to each other. But again, our ultimate goal in that would be to give praise, honor, and glory uh, to the Lord uh, for his name's sake. Second uh, Samuel 7 and verse 26, David is praying. Second Samuel 7, verse 26. I'll read that one verse. He prayed, and let thy name be magnified forever. He's praying about some needs, but he says, Lord, in all of this, let your name be magnified forever, saying, Lord of hosts is the God over Israel. Let the house of thy servant David be established before thee. He's praying a practical need for him, about a practical need that, that he has, but he understands that in the context of this big trial, that a big answer from God would be a huge, big opportunity for God to be glorified in a big way. That's a lot of bigs, Brother Gary. Um, I'll give you one more verse here. We'll move on toward the end here. In Malachi 1 and verse 11, Malachi 1 verse 11, God is giving his words through Malachi. We understand that. These are God's words for the, uh, from the rising of the sun even unto the going down of the sun. My name shall be great among the Gentiles. In every place incense shall be offered unto my name in a pure offering. For my name shall be great among the heathen, saith the Lord of hosts. The Lord desires that his name, that he uh, would receive praise, honor, and glory. Brother Ray Mechik, he's going to get that no matter what, one way or another. Stop think about this. Even at the great white throne judgment where men are judged for their sin uh, and then cast in the lake of fire. They've been resurrected from hell, judged for their sin, and then cast in the lake of fire. Will, will God even be glorified? Will, will, will he be worthy of praise, honor, and glory uh, at that point in, in the future? He most certainly will. Brother Ray, his holiness will be on display. We praise him and honor him and glorify him for his holiness uh, and for his justice uh, and for his power. Uh, there's, there's nothing that doesn't somehow uh, bring him praise, honor, and glory. And we praise him for that. So David has been um, meditating, speaking of the Lord, meditating on the Lord, uh, and his shepherding ministry to him, uh, to God's people generally. Uh, and that just compels him to, to cry out to the Lord uh, in prayer. Uh, he's considering the implications of this. He's already started to do that. He said, I shall not want. But he recognizes there's other implications. Uh, not only will he not want for material things, spiritual needs, God, God, he can count on God uh, as his shepherd, but he also understands, you know what, I, I, I don't have to fear, uh, no matter how badly things get. I don't, I don't have to fear. Uh, David has meditated on God's ministry as shepherd. Uh, and then why don't you see this in, in verse 4. He, he's, 
he's meditated on God's shepherding ministry to people in general, and he's considered, he's, he's begun, he started to consider the implications for himself, but uh, in verse 4, uh, it, that is just coming, that, that idea, the sort of the, the seed of that idea is blossoming forth as he considers the implications of this uh, for himself. Look at verse 4. He says, uh, yea, though I, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. God, you're with me. Thy rod and thy staff comfort me. Zach, I don't think there's anything prideful about this. A lot of times when you see the, the verses that are, or the passage that's filled with I, me, me, my, uh, you, you can see it. It's, there's an issue of pride, uh, and God's going to deal with that. But that's not what's happening here. I don't think that's the case at all. Here he's just taking what he has considered, uh, what he's meditated on, that which God has revealed to him, and all he's doing is applying it to himself, just like we should, right? So this is a case where the kind of the focus on self for a moment here is, is good and, and righteous, and uh, it's an example for us. God doesn't want us to just know that he's our shepherd, our perfect provider. Uh, he wants us to get a hold of that truth and make it our own, make it a personal truth that applies to us and realize, hey, uh, I don't have to worry about uh, God providing for me. You know what? I don't have to worry about anything. Uh, I don't have to fear anything because I have a perfect shepherd who's active and present working uh, in my life. No matter how bad things get, uh, I will not fear. I'll fear no evil. Now, I'll stop tonight and ask you this. Um, do we struggle with fears at times? Do we struggle with fears at times? Do we? Brother Ray, when you're in the thick of a trial, there can be some fears. When there's a tangible spiritual battle, uh, the enemy's really coming at you, and you, you know it, there can be fear. There can be fear. What do you do? You got to do that Philippians 4 thing, right? Just give it over to the Lord uh, and thank him that you can. Allow him to bless you with peace that crowds out that fear. Uh, but also do what David's doing. Realize that, hey, the fear doesn't make any sense. We have the perfect shepherd, active, present in our lives, providing for us and also protecting us. Fear doesn't make any sense at all. Uh, it has no place in our life. It just simply uh, does not make any sense. And so uh, you, know, you remind yourself of that, minister that truth to yourself. Uh, David's praying that. He's praying that to the Lord. He says, yea, though I walk through the valley of death, I'll fear no evil. For thou, who's the thou here? Well, it's the Lord. He's talking to the Lord. Thou art with me, present, present and active in my life. Thy rod and thy staff comfort me. Brother Art, that's, that's a truth that was true for David. That's a truth that's true for us also. Fear doesn't make any sense when you understand the shepherding ministry of the Lord in our lives today, tonight, tomorrow, this week, off into the future, through the tribulation, through the rapture, we saw that, through the tribulation, we saw that, on until millennium, we saw that doesn't end. His shepherding ministry doesn't end. And so no fear makes any sense at all. Lord, help us to get a hold of that. We know we're tempted to fear. When we do, help us give that over to you because you've told us to, but also because it just doesn't make sense. David determined not to fear, and we can too. David would not be afraid 
Uh, why? He says here in verse 4, he says, Thou art with me. He was confident the Lord's shepherding ministry included a promise of God's presence. Uh, remember, Christ uh, told Paul the same thing. Uh, so my grace be sufficient. I will not leave you nor forsake you. He said, listen, uh, no matter what the trial is, you can count on my presence. David, he understood, thou art with me. Matthew 28, 20, Matthew 28, 20, Jesus says, I'm with you always, or always, uh, even until, even unto uh, the end of the world. The Lord is with us when? Always, <laughs> even until, uh, even unto the end of the world. Brother, I don't think we have anything to fear. Don't think we have anything to fear at all. Uh, devil wants us to fear. You can be sure of that. He wants us to fear. Uh, he wants us to dwell in fear. You can be sure of that. He wants us to respond to fear in unhealthy, antichrist ways. He wants to pull us away. From, he wants to use fear to separate us from the Lord. Part of his strategy and he continues in that, no doubt, because it's been so effective for him uh, since he was cast from heaven like the lightning that we saw uh, this morning. Uh, Lord, help us. Lord, help us to understand that the enemy uh, loves to encourage and to stoke fear. Uh, you've shown us that it just doesn't make any sense. Refuse it. Uh, and when there's a temptation of fear, bring it to you, Lord, in prayer. David received comfort from the Lord as he meditated and prayed on these things. He says, um, he says, uh, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Uh, what's a rod? It's, it's, more, it's like an offensive weapon, right? Uh, the flocks, David started out as a shepherd, didn't he? He's a picture of Christ. Uh, as a young man, he was a shepherd. Uh, a rod is a, is a defensive weapon. It could be an offensive weapon too, but uh, a shepherd will have to fight off the enemies, right? Uh, so he understands that the Lord is, is a protector in that sense. Staff is more of a tool that would be used to kind of pull the sheep back to, into the flock, right? Lord, ever have to pull you back into the flock? You ever wander away and need to be pulled back? Need to be pulled back in, church? Yeah. Amen. <laughs> he's, got, he's got a rod to protect us. He's also got a staff to pull us back in when we wander uh, and bring us back to the place of safety, the place where he desires us uh, to be. Uh, David took comfort in this, and, and we should too. Lord, help us to find comfort in your shepherding ministry. Uh, they comfort me. He's comforted by the presence uh, and the active protection of the Lord. Uh, I'll give you a cross-reference here and just hear these verses. It's 2 Corinthians. Write this down, please. 2 Corinthians uh, 1, uh, verses 3 and 4. You just started a class in 2 Corinthians, right? Uh, pray for Zach. Start a class. Uh, seminary class, uh, pray for him. 2 Corinthians 1, verses 3 and 4. You probably covered these verses the other night. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, God of all comfort. Lord, we need your comfort. Thank you for being the God of all comfort. Who comforted, comforteth, there we go, who comforteth us in all our tribulation. Why? That or so that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. You understand tonight that sometimes the Lord allows trials into our lives, not just to get a hold of our attention, get our attention, uh, or to chasten us, 
There are times in which he allows trials so that we will seek him for comfort in that trial so that we've had the experience of seeking him in a certain kind of trial so that you can then offer that comfort to someone else who's facing a similar trial uh, and do that with some empathy uh, as someone who has actually experienced something similar. Uh, those verses teaches that teacheth, let me try, I got King James on the tongue, Brother, Brother Gary, uh, teach us, that's not a bad thing, right? Uh, those verses teach us uh, the Lord is our comforter, but that he, he teaches us to avail ourselves of his comfort in the context of trials sometimes so that we can learn to minister his comfort to others. Is that okay with you? Is that okay with you? Lord, help us as you get us through trials and as we seek your comfort and find your comfort in trials to understand that, hey, you may just want to use us to minister to people facing similar things in the future. And um, he does. He does. Lord, Lord, help us to understand that and to look for those opportunities. We'll look at the balance here quickly. Verse 5, David says, to the Lord in prayer, he says, thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, uh, my cup runneth over. David had plenty of enemies, and uh, enemies within his own family even. He says, thou preparest a table for me in the presence of mine enemies. Uh, a table is a place of provision, isn't it? Uh, on your dinner table today, maybe, maybe there are some food there, right? That's the Lord's provision for you on the table. It's him providing for us. That's why we take time to say grace, stop and say, Lord, thank you for the food. Bless it to our bodies. Uh, strengthen us through it. Lord, thank you. David recognized that uh, God could provide for him in the presence of his enemies because God is present in those battles. He is able and willing to provide uh, all David's needs, uh, even in the presence of his worst enemies. Uh, and, and to what extent can he uh, provide for David? Well, we already saw the idea. David understood God's provision was sufficient. Uh, but as, as he's meditated on that idea and as he prays, uh, he, the Lord reveals to him, hey, my provision, it, it'll be at least sufficient, but often it'll, it'll be so much more than that. He says, my head, thou anointest my head with oil. And he says this, my cup, what? What does it say? Runneth over. Uh, God is a God who provides at least enough, but often a fair amount more than that. Now, you stop and look at your own life tonight. Has God provided enough for you? Has he provided enough for you? Church, has he? Has he provided enough? And there, have there been times, places, parts of your life, maybe tonight, where you could say, you know what, Lord? You've been faithful to provide enough, but honestly, uh, there have been times, or, or tonight is one of those times where I can see my cup is not only full enough, it runneth over. God, you're a, you're a God who's been, gracious, been merciful and gracious to provide so much more than what I actually need. Lord, thank you. Thank you for providing so much more than we actually need in so many different ways. 
mean, so many parts of our lives. Doesn't mean that everybody has big bank account. Doesn't mean everybody has big retirement account. Doesn't mean everybody has more money, brother Ray, than they know what to do with. But most of us can say, God, you have provided more than we need materially, um, spiritually. You provided more than we deserve and more than we need. Um, has God provided you spiritually with more than you deserve? He has for me. He's provided for my salvation. And I praise God for that. Ephesians 3.20, David writing to the church at Ephesus, he says, Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. As he provides so abundantly, with exceeding abundance, all that we ask or think, he is glorified. He is glorified. Listen, when, when the Lord has provided for you that way, thank him, worship him, and thank him for that. Uh, but don't be afraid to tell someone else either. You're not bragging about yourself. You didn't provide. Uh, God maybe enabled you to provide certain things, but in, in, at the end of the line, he's the one that made that possible. Tell people, tell people. Brother Ray, we're not preaching a health and a wealth gospel, but when God has provided exceedingly abundantly, we ought to thank him and praise him for that and not be afraid to share that. I have a testimony of uh, you, you, you've chosen to see God's provision in your life and you've chosen to thank him for it and you're not afraid to tell other people, hey, I have because God has given me. I don't have as much as you know that person over there, but boy, I have exceedingly abundantly beyond what I need, and that's God, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, my shepherd, providing for me. There's just one verse left, and Brother Art's kind of David, kind of honing it all down to the ultimate conclusion here, and it's a good conclusion. He says, surely, surely, Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. God's goodness. I posted online this week, Psalm 34, 8. Taste and see the Lord is good. Just taste and see the Lord is good. Uh, blessed is the man that trusteth him. Uh, Lord, you're good. Surely your goodness and your mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Why is David so confident in that? Well, he knows that God is his shepherd, his provider, his protector. He knows that he needs God's goodness in his life. He knows that he needs God's mercy in his life. He knows that he has the perfect shepherd, the perfect provider, the perfect protector, the perfect guide. As he needs God's goodness and mercy in his life, he's confident the Lord's goodness and mercy will not fail for all the days of his life. He says this, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I think there's a couple ways we can understand that final verse. We, we, won't, we won't dwell on this too long, but uh, it, it might be simply a statement of his confidence that the Lord would keep him close in a, in a close walk uh, with the Lord from that point all the way home. Uh, it may allude to his confidence that 
uh, ultimately he would be home with the Lord. Uh, it may be both. It may be that uh, he understands that part of what he needs uh, as a man of God uh, is to dwell in a close walk with the Lord this side of heaven. Uh, and that beyond this life, uh, he knows that he'll enjoy uh, a wonderful closeness uh, with the Lord out on through eternity. Is that your hope tonight? Praise God. Um, praise God. Lord Jesus Christ is my shepherd. How about you? Brother Art, I shall not fear. I'm going to choose tonight to not fear, to give my fears over to him and to do that with thanksgiving, to know peace from him, passes understanding, knowing that Christ accomplishes that peace. I'm going to trust tonight in the Lord's provision. Uh, no, I shall not want. I'm going to trust tonight in his protection. I'm going to trust tonight that those things are possible because he is present and active, active and present in my life. He indwells me. How about you? Amen. Amen. Doesn't make sense to fear. Doesn't make sense to fear. Um, let's stop there and pray. Lord, thank you. Lord, thank you tonight. For being my shepherd, Lord, thank you tonight for being the shepherd of each believer uh, in this assembly tonight. Lord, I'm grateful for your presence, for your protection, for your provision. Thank you for your promises. Lord, I know tonight that you, you provide for us through a variety of ways, through the work that you enable, through other means uh, as you choose. But you provide, Lord, you enable and you provide uh, the things that we need. You protect us. You comfort us. Lord, you give peace in the place of things that might be fearful as we seek you. Lord, I thank you tonight. Your rod and staff, they comfort me. Father, we thank you tonight, Lord, for your comfort. Lord, tonight we, we may be convicted that we've allowed ourselves to fear to dwell in fear, to dwell on fear. Uh, Lord, fearing trials, fearing practical consequences or different aspects of different kinds of trial, spiritual battles, uh, needs. Lord, I don't know, but perhaps tonight we're convicted that we've allowed ourselves to fear where we should not. Lord, where we should turn the fear over to you and be thankful uh, that we can uh, do that. Lord, tonight perhaps uh, you've convicted us that um, we failed to recognize your provision in our lives. Lord, perhaps we've allowed a spirit of dissatisfaction, discontentment into our lives. Lord, I pray tonight if that's the case, that you'd give us hearts to confess that and to say, Lord, help me to be content with you and with your provision. I do pray tonight that if you've been discontented with God's provision, church, that you take a moment and say, Lord, I've been discontented. I've been dissatisfied with the provision aspect of your shepherding ministry to me. Lord, I pray tonight that you help me to be content with your provision. It's perfect.